Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play podcast, episode number six. I'm David, and I will be joined by Mark, Alan, and Darren in this show to complete our list of original soundtracks. Whilst we don't play any of these songs in this show, I have included a Spotify playlist in the show notes, so you can check them out on there. And don't forget to head over to our Facebook group, 4Play Podcast, and let us know your thoughts about today's choices and what you would have picked. Without further ado, let's get on with it. Hello guys, um, good to be back again. That's been an interesting week, at least for me. Turned turned 60 yesterday, which was uh, great to see Darren on that day as well. Yeah, nice to see you in the garden as we're legally allowed at the moment. So yeah, many yeah. happy returns again. Thank you very and much. Yeah, good to be back for part two. Yeah, fantastic. Mark, how are things in Edinburgh? Uh, glorious. A very a belated happy birthday to you. I didn't realise it was your big six zero. Thank you. Uh, otherwise, uh, I would have you know, broken lockdown and, and, and driven all the way to see you. Okay. Of course well, I would. Do that on the seventieth. Uh, uh, no, it's it's glorious up in Edinburgh. It's been uh, it's been all right, all right. Um, long weekend. Happy Easter when it comes. Looking forward to today. How's everyone else? Yeah, I'm all right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, congratulations, Dave, on your 60th. I knew it was your birthday yesterday, obviously, from Facebook. I didn't uh, cotton on it. It was your 60th. No, no. It's actually my, today would be my dad's 100th birthday. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, um, he was born in 1921. Um, wow. He passed away in 1975. So, yeah, he's been gone quite a while now. Oh. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a big achievement. <laughs> yeah, well, you can say uh, people are talking about you hundred years after you were born. Yeah, oh, that's that is fantastic, yeah. isn't it? That is really good. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's kick off. So we're following up on our our recommendations, our choices for original soundtracks. We've each done two. We're going to now each give another two, and uh, for your third one, Mark, it is your turn. Right. Okay. This one here is. Um from a film that came out in 1987, another, well, I would say a cult classic. It wouldn't be along the lines of Blues Brothers or anything like that, but um, it was it was a film I really got into. Um, so I would have been, what age, 14, 15? Um, and it's, uh, according to Wiki, it's a teen black comedy horror film. And it's by, by the great Joel Schumacher. Um, he, he directs it, and he's also the guy that... Uh, Batman and uh, amongst amongst uh, other other great films he's done, and this is the Lost Boys, uh, starring Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Jason Patrick, and uh, yeah, this this goes in as my my third soundtrack. I, I like it because, like like the other two I've chosen, it's geared, you know, really towards the film. Um, you remember moments because of the song. Um, and the, the classic track on it is uh, Good Times by NXS and Jimmy Barnes. It's a real uh, show opener. And you've got the likes of, uh, you've got the Echo, Echo and the Bunnyman, but a Liverpool in there. Uh, people are strange. And uh, yeah, a not so great version of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Roger Daltrey, but it, it actually suits the film. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a, a better cover version of um, of Elton John's, but uh, it, it does suit the, uh, the the kind of 
weird darkness of, of the film itself. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has seen it, uh, heard the soundtrack, but uh, I do remember buying this. I think uh, Darren asked last week, what was your first, uh, you know, your first album or soundtrack you ever bought? Well, The Lost Boys, I believe, haven't thought about it, was the first, um, the first I bought. This goes on at number three. Yeah, absolutely. That was the one I was thinking of when David asked that question. Um, I, I may have bought one before, but that's the first one, that I, the real standout one. The standout yeah. one that I recall is a stunning soundtrack, I think, from start to finish. Um, and I believe Mark and I had to make a bit of a bargain because we both wanted to put that one into our choices. <laughs> and you'll find out which one I nabbed off Mark, I think, to, um, to appease it. But yeah, fantastic soundtrack. And also equally as fantastic a film. Yeah. In this instance. That's good. Yeah, it's The Lost Boys are uh, is there, um like a sort of horror horror type. Yeah, Under vampires. That's right. That's it. Yeah, that was that's it. Yeah, yeah. I was aware of. Um, I knew. I knew Echo and the Bunnymen were on there, and I was thinking. I think the Doors are on there as well, but actually, it's there. And I realised it's Echo and the Bunnymen singing the People Are Strange. Yeah, uh, written by the Doors. Another great yeah. cover version. Yeah. Um, I knew, First of all, I knew there was some kind of in excess, and I was—I think I was looking at this album a couple of uh, sometime last year. It was in the HMV. Uh, I think yeah. it was in the HMV day. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Although it was online, I'm sure it was in red vinyl. Yeah, that rings a bell. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think yeah, I've seen no, the film no. once. Um, Jimmy Barnes yeah. in excess, wasn't it? Did good times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I met a guy once who knew Jimmy Barnes. He um he said he he, he kind of in a roundabout way said um he mentioned he mentioned the Lost Boys and he says oh yeah yeah he says I, I know um a guy who's who sings one of the songs on that I, I, I don't know how it came up but anyway he was good pals with Jimmy Barnes is he he's an Aussie is Jimmy Barnes an Aussie not sure, sure. yeah anyway, the, the Lost Boys the, the title itself. Does come from uh, Peter Pan. Oh, he's, he's Scottish. A lot of the other, and that's why he knows him well. He's known yeah. as a Scottish Australian singer. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so Lost Boys. It comes from the, um, the 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 kids in Neverland. You know, they never grow up, and because they're vampires, they they are eternal. Whatever it is, immortal, oh, yeah. immortal, yeah, yeah. immortal. Yeah. That was also is it Corey Haim and Corey Feldman both in it? Was, uh, yeah. Brian, Brian, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean they were huge names back in those days, weren't they? Like yeah. um, uh, kid child stars. You know. Yeah, so they were in the Goonies and that. Yeah, yeah, went on it quite a lot, didn't they? Did um, Stand by Me as well? Yes. Good soundtrack yeah. on that one, I believe, which none of yeah. us included yet, but we'll find out. You never know. Have you watched yeah. it recently, Mark? I haven't watched it recently, no. But I have recently purchased the red vinyl. Mm. Oh right. Yeah. No. Uh, hard to get a hold of, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a belter. Oh, it's brilliant! I did. I revisited the film a couple of years ago, actually, with some friends, and really good. Still really good. Stood the test of time, I think. Yeah, and whatever happened to Jason Patrick? I mean, very very handsomely role. Uh, and um, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland obviously went on to greater things, and and. You, you would have thought he'd be hanging on the coattails of his, his his dad, the great Donald Sutherland, but 
Uh, yeah, Jason Patrick, he hasn't been in much since. I think he has uh, been in stuff. We just don't maybe see it over here so much. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And this this film yeah, is one of my cult film, isn't it? I think it is a cult, cult film. Following. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Normally, people of a certain age, I think, as well. <laughs> like most of them. Thanks a lot, Darren. Same for me, mate. Same for me. And of course, we saw Kiefer Sutherland playing live in Exeter. Uh, 18 months ago. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I couldn't get a ticket, unfortunately. But... Which was which was really, really good. What are they called again, this band? Uh, that's is a really good question. Shepherd? I would say, oh no, Bad Shepherds is somebody else entirely, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, no, I think he, he just, it's just him. Oh, is it? And he has a band, but it's all about him. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. And it's a chance to ask the question, what, what was his first career? Well, I presume it was his first career. No. Rodeo Rider. Oh, really? Away, away. <laughs> Amazing. So, Amazing. Rodeo Rider. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was thinking of weirdly of Adrian Edmondson's band there. They're called the Bad Shepherds, aren't they, I think? You know, Adrian Edmondson of uh, comedy fame. Yeah, so I'm trying to work out what the connection is. <laughs> you know, that just popped into my head. No connection <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I, I was thinking it was Cuba Sutherland's band, but well. <laughs> Well, maybe next time he comes over, he can be backed by the Bad Shepherds. That would be good. Bit of a collab, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Okay, it's probably the right time for us to move on to the next one then. So, uh, Darren, you've got the microphone. Okay, nice one. So, I've gone for, uh, again, I, I think this would be class as well. In fact, my next two are probably classed as cult classics now, if you like. This first one from 1996, directed by the extremely famous now Danny Boyle. Um, based on a 1993 book by Irvin Welsh. Um, this film and soundtrack helped to launch the career of Ewan McGregor. He'd done a couple of little bits and bobs. Um, Lipstick on Your Collar, I think, was a series he did. And his first feature film was Shallow Grave. And then he went on to this one, which, of course, if you haven't guessed already, is Train Spotting. Um, the film follows a group of heroin addicts uh, in Edinburgh in a kind of depressed suburb. It depicts a lot of sort of urban squalor and poverty. Um, the film, though, it was ranked in number 10, I think, in the top 100 British films of the 20th century. Um, and it's just amazing. I mean, the soundtrack, if we move on to the soundtrack, because that's what we're talking about, um, it starts with a banging introduction. It's Lust for Life kicks in. And uh, if you remember over Iggy Pop's Lust for Life, they've got the lyrics, or Ewan McGregor talking us through. Choose life, choose a job, choose a career, choose a family, choose a beeping big television, choose washing machines, cars, and compact disc players. And it goes on and on and on. I've got that on vinyl, as I'm showing you guys there now. Um, so it starts with that. We've also got on there um, Brian Eno, Deep Blue Day, a song called Train Spotting from Primal Scream, um, another cover that nearly sneaked into my cover version show. We've got the uh, Atomic. Originally Blondie, but Atomic done by Sleeper, which is a really good version if you haven't heard it. Uh, New Order, Blur, Lou Reed, Pulp, uh, Left Field, Underworld, Elastica, they're all on there. It's such a quality soundtrack. And it's another one that accompanies the film really, really well. Like I was talking last week about Pulp Fiction uh, and the Tarantino song choices being on the mark. I think these were as well. 
I'm not quite sure who composed, who sorted out what music was going where in this, but um, stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, and the name, obviously, the name Train Spotting comes up in Irvin Welsh's book, but nobody really knew where the name came from until Train Spotting Two, where they do cover it. And it's just a weird scene where Mark Renton, played by Ewan McGregor, um, meets a drunk man in a disused railway station. And this guy is literally, he just asked if they're train spotting. Train spotting, so I like the accent, Mark. Um, and that's where it comes from. So the title doesn't really link much, but great film, amazing soundtrack. Over to you guys, what do you think about that one? Yeah, you, you can't argue with that. It's a um, fantastic film, fantastic soundtrack. And uh, I, I, yeah, it, it, it was squeezed out of my top four uh, because I think I knew you had it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, okay. it's just it's so good it's so good and and uh, I, I could watch that film over and over again and, and the sequel as well uh, the uh, I thought Trainspotting 2 was, was excellent yeah, and, was fast, yeah. yeah as as was the soundtrack on that I, I think they just they, they chose it really really well um, and I, I I happen to I've, I've met Irvin Welsh a few times in Edinburgh um, he, oh, wow. he drinks in yeah he drinks in a, a pub that used to be called City Limits yeah. It's now called the boundary, I think. But it sits right on the city limits of Edinburgh and Leith, where the um I guess the film is 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 mainly well, Seth, because he's a Hibernian fan. Renton is a, you know, he's a hip, big Hibs fan. Yeah. And, and most most folk from Leith are in that area. Uh, they're they're big Hib fan, Hibs fans because Easter Road's down that way. And Easter Road obviously isn't far from where Irvin Welch uh, likes a paint. Uh, he's a big hippie as well. So so yeah, I've seen him a few times after the matches. Nice guy. Yeah, very very easy going. Uh, love his tweets on Twitter. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's good banter, and he calls he calls it for what it is for sure. Great choice, Darren. Love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and you said it's weird actually. You you celebrate T two the follow up, and a lot of those artists were the same artists featured on the first soundtrack as well. Even though it's twenty something years later, yeah. I kind of went for the same artist, which was I don't think that's, I don't remember that being done before. Not with such a gap between the film. Yeah, but what I love as well is you know that you know the part where they come off the train in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, I've I've been to that station, uh, and 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 went for went for a ramble. Uh, it's it's um, Karar, I think that's how you pronounce it, C O R R O U R. Okay. Uh, me and a mate went up there. Um, oh, this is years ago. This is back in the late nineties. Yeah. So th- that station actually, I think it was built um, by um, kind of aristocracy back in the day, so they could ship their friends out for a grouse shoot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. As you do. Yeah. As you do. Yeah, I know. I haven't got this. I haven't seen it. You know, people. Uh, joined in the last episode will know that I'm not a big film buff no. um, but I did nearly buy the soundtrack once it was uh, believe it or not um, it was in Sainsbury's they from time to time have their limited editions yeah and a copy came out in orange vinyl a couple of years ago oh. um, and I would an art about it and um, I think because of the drug I knew that you know the you know, from from when the film came when the film came out, I knew it was about 
drugs and that, and that's all yeah. something I've kind of tried to not. Um, I, I, I don't want to be seen to be supporting films to do with taking drugs and things like that. Um, okay. You know, so I think that's one of the reasons put me off. Um, but uh, I know, yeah, I mean, many of the artists you mentioned now have got their got their records, you know, in particular New Order. And um, I think, is it Born Slippy? Is that on it? Is that, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I nearly, nearly went for it. And I thought, no, I'm gonna stick to my uh, stick to my guns on this one. But yeah, some great tracks on it. You know, I wasn't aware of that version coming out because there aren't many. They're really sought after any mm. soundtracks on vinyl. Yeah, um, you should be able to pick one up for about. Well, you've already got one, so you don't need it. But mm. yeah, you might pick one up for about 40, 40 50 quid. Right. Okay. Well, talking of which, whilst I'm in, remember. Uh, Record Store UK have got 15% off all weekend. I saw that, yeah, yeah. And HMV have got 30% off selected vinyl. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, you can always look out for deals and bargains like that, can't you? Yeah. But, um, yeah, what about you, Dave? What are... I'm a, not, not too dissimilar from yourself. I think uh, maybe it's an age divide, but it didn't really have a, a great interest in the film when it came out so it's passed me by so both the music and the film itself but certainly having heard the names on the soundtrack I, I need to give this a listen so that's going to go into my listening list for sure um yeah i mean obviously we're talking about the music you don't have to watch it have a listen the soundtrack yeah is yeah yeah sounds yeah. banging yeah uh, all, all four weeks without the problem you do you do these, indeed these these sixty-year-olds bumping their gums at us. Yeah. Not like a spring chickens, Mark. <laughs> Alan, we should just come clean now, and we should just go back to the black and whites. Yeah, uh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Nothing yeah. yeah. wrong with Charlie Chaplin, though. Yeah, I think. Um, I think he was a he was a crack addict, wasn't he? Well, Charlie, was he? Yeah, he had a lot. No, of he wasn't. Actually, no, no, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll have his lawyers on here in a minute. Yeah, yeah. I'll just that now. I don't think he could afford it, could he? Didn't he have like 25 children or something ridiculous? I'm sure he's got children everywhere. <laughs> just, just say allegedly before you say anything, Alan. Allegedly, yeah. yeah um, apologies to anybody who was upset by that last knock. <laughs> you know what you can redeem yourself now so uh, Darren thank you very much that's, that's a great one to put in there thank Alan you. you can redeem yourself what's going to be your third uh, choice yeah I've just realised I've just put myself on this very very high horse <laughs> about drugs and I've just realised that both my next films my, both my next selections contain uh, drugs uh, what, a, what a stupid boy well thought through Alan <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I'll have to watch that train spotting film now because yeah, yeah, you have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So thanks. I'm gonna go uh, 1977. I've been going chronologically. Yeah, I started off in '65, then I went to '67. Now I'm in 1977, and uh, this was probably one of the biggest films of all time, uh, starring John Travolta and Karen Corney. Um, 
It's about a guy called Tony who spends his weekends drinking and dancing with his friend Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie really helps him to cope with his with his life, really. He's, he's got a dead-end job. Um, he doesn't really get on with his parents. Uh, where he lives, there's a lot of gang violence and inter-ethnic tensions in this community in which he resides. Uh, he feels directionless and he's trapped. But the way that he gets off is through his dancing. And the film is called Saturday Night Fever. Um, the soundtrack is timeless, written mostly by, uh, most of the tracks are written by the Bee Gees. But then there's also some fantastic music by the likes of Tavares, Cool and the Gang, Yvonne Element, The Tramps. Um, some fantastic music on here. Um, I mean, it just, just the beginning of the film, I can remember you got Travolta getting out of bed and he checks his meat and two veg and <laughs> then he gets dressed and then the next thing he's walking down the road strutting his stuff and I'm pretty sure he's carrying two cans of paint. So there he is just, you know, walking down the road, staying alive. And, uh, you know, it's just a great track. But I'm, I'm really sad because what they didn't do, they never, they, there was a promo version of Staying Alive, which is far more superior uh, than the track that you guys will be, you know, familiar with. Um, it's got a little bit more instrumental in between the verses, but, you know, check that out. Um, it was available as a, um, a couple of years ago on a um, record store uh, day. Uh, Bee Gees brought out that bought out four tracks on this EP and it actually it's actually on there so it's brilliant um but also it's got um you know how deep is your love night fever more than a woman um and then a great disco track called disco infermo by the tramps yeah. which goes on for you know I like a long a long song 10 minutes 51 this one um but the, the, the whole movie is got you know from scene to scene um, I mean, there's some sad scenes where there's one of the guys jumps off the bridge, one of the friends, and um, but then there's some lighter stuff and some great instrumental stuff called Night on Disco Mountain, um, and also another one called The Fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, you know, the cover, as soon as you see that, you don't need to see the writing. You know that's, you know, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. And um, when I was doing my research, um, I just noticed that there was a um, a track which is actually um, on the album, on the soundtrack, but it was never ever played in the film. And that's called Jive Talking. Why, why that was, I don't know, but, uh, um, but yeah, so mm -hmm. uh, a great track, sorry, a great, um, great album and um, just a small, I suppose, references to taking drugs was, was in that film, so um, I suppose I can get away with that one, but yeah, I expect you guys have seen this, yeah, yeah.
when I was really young, it was kind of one of the first films that I thought, oh, I shouldn't really be watching this. It's a bit naughty. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to watch it in front of my mum. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> classic soundtrack and the classic disco. It's, yeah, everything about it's superb. And Travolta was just the the epitome of coolness, wasn't they? Yeah. That? I mean, you know, you know, who can get away with wearing a suit like that? Yeah, yeah. You can, Alan. You can, man. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had a white suit. <laughs> Never. Never. That surprises me. Yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, sorry, Mark. I've, I've, I can confess I've never had one. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, shattered, but really, shattered my illusion there. Shattered. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's one of those that really should, you know, it, it, it's due for, um, you know, I think a, a proper re release, really. Because mm. um, I mean, I don't I'm not aware of any special. I think that there is only one um, color version of it, and that, that, I think that was in Australia or New Zealand. But it's like a very rubbishy grey. It's mm. like um, a white suit that's gone grey, really. So um, yeah, um, I think it's about time they they brought something and, and, and a new version out. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, but. Um, Classic. That's great. Classic. More about the music, I think, probably, than yeah. the film. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, I'd agree with that. It kind of. I, I it, thought. Sorry, David. I, I was going to. I was just wondering in terms of sort of the height of disco, where, where, or sort of disco, this this was kind of almost at the pinnacle, wasn't it? It sort mm. of ca- captured a mood and, and the time that had been going for a little while. And that sort of. Yeah. Comes. Was it 77 you said it came out? 77, yeah. Yeah, really, really peaked. So. No, this yeah. is the thing. Because you know, in the um, in the film itself, um, you know, when they he would go and put some music on, he wasn't putting on the seven inch. You know, <laughs> the, it was the twelve inch single that he was putting out. And um, for me, that's been that was one of the one of the great things. One of one of the things about um, you know listening to vinyl and. And, and music and when the 12 inch single became very very popular that was a great move for the for the industry it just meant that you could you know um the sound quality uh was much improved uh, because you had more space on the disc so the more yeah. space between the grooves better the, the sound quality and it enabled you know the, the 10 minute versions you know to, to happen and things like that and extra tracks to be played on the other side yeah. um yeah. Um, very sadly, I did get the 12 inch of the fifth of Beethoven. Yeah. Wow. Still have it. Yeah. No. Excellent. Um, I think everybody loves the BGs. I think you're right. Um, I, 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 to- I totally agree with you on the soundtrack. It carried the film. The film was um, at best average, I think. But yeah. You, you will have people who are huge. Saturday Night Fever fans, just like people are huge Sound of, sound of Music fans, mm. and they'll say, oh, great film, but I have to say that, yeah, the soundtrack 100% yeah. carried, carried the film, yeah. and uh, yeah, really good choice. Yeah, what, what you really mean is, it's great music. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. Thumbs up. Yeah, nice one. Okay, well, so, David, over cool. to me now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... So, like, like I think most of us, I'm doing mine chronologically. So, bit of bit of a pattern. So, Paris, Texas, in '84. Uh, what was my next one? Then, 
I'm just working my way through them. Uh, so I had Blade Runner 82, I had Paris, Texas in 84. So sticking with the same sequence, happens my next one is 1986. Um, so there's a, there's a particular piece of music in this. So there's, there's, there's lots of great music, which I come on to, uh, composed by a famous film score uh, composer. Um, eldest daughter, she's played the solo in this, but whilst I always, always loved the film, had a, a really great love of the film, there was a particular instant where I met someone who'd also played this publicly. Now, in a former life, I was a bank manager, personal bank manager, and I met this, this great guy, um, Baz. He lived actually in Heathfield, so not too far from yourself, Darren, on there. Um, he was recently retired from the Royal Navy. In fact, he joined, from memory, joined at the age of 16, and he left when he was 40. So you think, sort of mostly the boy and man, He'd, he'd been in there and he was in the Royal Marine Bands. Um, he played, uh, his, his main instrument was the oboe um, and he got to play that all the way to the end. He was one of the musicians who was on the deal coach accident, which some people may remember. There was there was an accident, on, I, I can't even tell you the year, I haven't done the research on that, where there was uh, one of the uh, coach with the the band on um, crashed. There were several injuries, and Baz went through his own sort of few problems as a result of that. But anyway, made his way all the way, finished finished career. And the last thing he did um, was to play at the Royal Albert Hall. And he, there was a performance that was on there, and the Queen was there, and he got to play. The um, this particular piece um, it's called Gabriel's Oboe, which comes from the film The Mission. Now, I don't know if anyone's seen seen the yeah. film. Hugely moving. So, I mean, it's a, 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 a film that was directed by Roland Joffe, who was always good at setting the mood uh, and and the ambiance that that went with it. You had the likes of Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons in there. The, the music was orchestrated, composed, conducted, produced by Ennio Morricone, who a lot of us will probably know from Spaghetti Westerns and, and other sorts on there. Um, you've got a mixture in there, so it, it picks up sort of theme of the music. It's got the Spanish, oh, it's, it's got the native drumming, it's got Spanish influenced guitars, which sort of ties in with the Jesuit priests that it was centered around. Um, there's good use of choral music in there as well. Um, Look, just just a great piece. There's as a piece of music to sit down or an album to put down. It works on its own, but it's another one of these that very much complements the the movie. You know, the the movie would be lesser without it for sure. Uh, and in fact, it was selected um, as the twenty third best score in American cinema um, in the American Film Institute. Um, so, recognised from that angle as well. So very moving. I do need to revisit the film, but certainly I played the music. It comes on every now and again. I've got the CD. Maybe I need to think about getting the vinyl for it. Um, smashing piece of work, which is personally very good. And as I said, also got to see our daughter Rebecca playing it. Um, you know, she's she went uh, went up to grade eight as an oboe player, 
um, and she never really liked the spotlight on her. And this is trying to explain to me why it was technically very different, difficult, this one. Um, but yeah, it's something which she enjoyed as a, as a technical challenge. But then playing it in front of public brings its its own challenges around it. But um, And whenever I hear it, I can't help but think of this lovely guy, Barry, who um, who I knew who played it at that high level. So yeah. that, that's my one in, in the bag for number three. Uh, I, I, it's one of the few films that I've, I've actually been um, brought to tears by the soundtrack. And I heard the soundtrack first before I saw the film. And I've um, a friend uh, call out to Kathy McGivern. I think I don't know if Kathy still lives in Uri, but uh, she actually handed me the soundtrack way back then. When you said 1986, I thought it's either Top Gun, <laughs> it's either Top Gun, or or the Mission. You know, two two very very different films. Um, the, the film itself, unlike Saturday Night Fever, is just brilliant. I mean, you've got Irons and De Niro in there at their best, mm. and um, you know it's it's all about the, the the slaying of innocents in South America by the uh, you know uh, the Spanish, and um, you know trying to impose Christianity, Catholicism on them, and um, it's uh, a huge, very very moving, and, and the. Um, the soundtrack complements that. It's it's fantastic. Really good choice. It's it's also one where I think I got to appreciate how good De Niro was as, as an actor. Yeah. Because um, I think seeing him obviously in roles where he was, you know, you almost thought, is this De Niro? Is this is this could this be him or not? But he just immersed himself in that role, and my understanding is that in preparation he would sit and compose himself. So it's almost like. To, to fit into that role, so it, it was no, there was no De Niro ego in the role. It was all about performing his role um, to the best yeah. of his ability and totally captivating when someone does so little on screen. Yeah. Well, I, I'm assuming Alan hasn't seen this, so I was going to bypass you on this one. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the cover. As soon as you said the mission, right? Um, a picture of um, is it a waterfall and a bird flying over it? Yeah. And that was it. And I just checked to make sure I was right. Yeah. Uh, couldn't tell you anything else about it, I'm afraid. But no. it sounds uh, fits Ario, Ario Morricone. Yeah. Ario Morricone, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's going to be good. Yeah. yeah. The, f- the film as well, you, you, you've got to watch the film. I mean, it's all about the, um, you know, the Spanish conquistadors coming over and absolutely brutal you know back in these days of colonization if you if you if you're not brought to tears by the soundtrack or the film you've got a heart of stone <laughs> okay Going down. Well, I've just added it to my watch list I, I don't know it at all and um, alan you had more of an idea than me i couldn't even picture the cover you know the main scene so um it sounds brilliant i look forward to watching it i like a good recommendation there we go. Your day wasn't wasted. No, no absolutely. Guys, uh, coming around to the uh, fourth leg. Okay. And Mark, over to you. Alrighty. I'm back to 1980. Um, the, the same year the Blues Brothers came out. Um, this, um, according to Wiki, um, would be considered a space opera. And... Um, it was directed by a guy called Mike Hodges, who didn't go on. I don't think he went on to do many other 
uh, films as, as iconic cult classic, um, starring Sam J. Jones. Sam, who <laughs> has, and any uh, any Ted fans out there uh, will know that it is uh, Flash Gordon. I've chosen this not because the film is great; the film is at best average, but it just um, <laughs> uh, brings back so many great memories of um, childhood. Um, coming up to Christmas, you knew it was close to Christmas when Flash Gordon was on the TV, and. Uh, it's <laughs> it's got the great Max von Sydow in it as well as Ming the Merciless, and um, of course the soundtrack is by is by Queen front to back, and uh, I have it here in front of me with Sam doing a big jump, and uh, this is on the the yellow vinyl, and um, yeah front front to back I just think it's um, you know when you hear Flash you just you, you know what it is. Um, probably the, the song's more memorable than the film itself. And uh, you've got Brian Blessed in there. Gordon's alive. Yeah. Alan, Alan can probably do that better than I can. Gordon's uh, alive. <laughs> Gordon's and, alive. Uh, yeah. Much better. <laughs> there's a Gordon's good, there's alive. Really... Oh, nice. It's a bit like Steve Coogan, this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Gordon's alive. <laughs> Gordon's alive. <laughs> so there was. Robust, your voice, Mark, you started him off now. There's no going back. Yeah, that's it. There's no going back. The, I don't know if it's urban myth, but uh, supposedly Brian Blessed was um, in a church once and he tripped over <laughs> and he let out this massive expletive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Much to the chagrin of the uh, the congregation, it was completely quiet. I don't know if it was a funeral or something. All you could hear was him going, yeah, clearly. Yeah, I went to watch it again. It was over Christmas, it was on over Christmas. And I, you know, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without you know the tree and Flash Gordon. And there's some like Timothy Dalton's on it as well. And yeah. uh. Yeah, and um, what do you call the guy who was Peter? Um, yeah, Peter Duncan. Duncan. Yeah. yeah, he's in it as well. Yes, he's hand eaten off, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> by a snake in a tree. Yeah. So, yeah, this goes in at number four. Squeezed out. Uh, I had I had a kind of magic in there um, from 1986, but uh, it, was, it was a toss-up between the two. I think musically, a kind of magic from uh, the, the film Highlander is um, much more polished, I think, and um, there's more variety to the to the soundtrack. But um, this, the film wouldn't be the film without the soundtrack, a bit like Saturday Night Fever. I, yeah, I'm going to check That's in number four. I'm buying it. I, I remember I, buying the Apple one. I think I played it once. <laughs> yeah. I think I played it once. I'm afraid to say I love the film as well, though, Mark. It's such, yeah. such yeah. a classic. It just reminds me of my childhood. And yeah. Jack, yeah, amazing. But I still got a bit of a penchant for the film. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd go with the, the the music rather than the film. In the, the, the film, it's there, not not particularly memorable apart from it's fairly cheesy and hammy. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But but the music, um, it's one of those where for me the music is actually transcends the film. Yeah, maybe I'll have to get my yellow vinyl out as well, Mark. Yeah, give it. A you play. do that. Give it yeah. a play, mate. You'll love it. 
Well, we got to. We paid enough for it. <laughs> Didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we certainly you know, did. Can you get the, the, the colour vinyl in the, uh, the Queen box set, complete box yeah. set, studio mm-hmm. albums? Yeah. Mark, do you know much about the film It's in, a, in, in terms of how did Queen collaborate with them to produce it or how, how that came about? Ah, good question. Um, no, I believe they were approached uh, pretty much like uh, Russell Mulcahy. He, he approached them for uh, Kind of Magic or, or for the, sorry, the film Highlander. And it was one particular line in the film um, that said, it's a kind of magic. And Roger Taylor, the drummer, hooked onto this one line and um, the album was born. Similarly, I think Flash, they approached him and said, can you do a soundtrack? I don't think they were involved in the production necessarily of the, of the, of the, uh, the film itself, even though the entire song, the video that goes with the song is, is you know, it's, it's got all of the film in it yeah. and them in it. Yeah. It's a great way of producing a trailer, isn't it? If you get a a band as as big as Queen to to do it, mm-hmm. yeah. I always think of it. I don't know. If, I always, I never think of it as like Flash Gordon, as in the guy has got a gun and he, you know, it's like space, you know, what's it called, science fiction type thing. I think it's like a bit of a Jason King character. You know, it's a wind guard, you know, a flash bloke called Gordon who's got loads of money, loads of birds, loads of cars, smokes, likes a drink, and all the blokes love him. Be a much better plot. Yeah. Oh, have you not seen the film yet? That's what it's about. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should rewrite that, Alan. Uh-huh. Flash. It was, it was actually... I was reading about it and they said the film soundtrack was composed, performed by Queen, you know, but it was one of the earliest high-budget feature films to use a score primarily composed and performed by a rock band. And the only earlier example they're given is The Who's Tommy in 1975. All right. Yeah, that was on my shortlist, Tommy, actually. And when you started yeah. saying this is more of a musical opera film or whatever you said, I thought, hang on, Tommy's earlier than that. <laughs> and I was racking my brains to what you come up with. But yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, well, well, principally, it's a good album. Yeah. Really. I remember my my sister had that, Sister Wendy, and uh, I played that, played that to death. The Overture and 1921, it's going to be a good year. Day my mum, my mum was born. The year my mum was born, the year my dad was born. Um, yeah, some great tracks, and um, yeah, sorry, we diverse. Oh, that, that's what we do. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you very much for that one, Mark. Uh, rounds up, rounds off your four very nicely. Uh, Darren, dazzle us. Okay. So yeah, my final choice. So I'm going back slightly. I think Train Spotting was '96. I'm going back to '92. Um, this is one that I had to um, obviously. Mark and I decided he could have Lost Boys. I said, okay, you can have Lost Boys if I have this one. So I've gone for a controversial uh, controversial cult film with what I class as a stunning soundtrack, but I'm not quite sure why. I think, again, it's just because it fits the film perfectly. Um, it's a feature-length debut for this particular director, 
and Empire Magazine named it the greatest indie film of all time. Um, we're talking about the classic Reservoir Dogs. Um, Tarantino's debut full-length production. And I was talking last week about how Pulp Fiction really made me kind of appreciate and get into 70s music. I mean, this was before it, and this is the real one that got me into that. That was really cool. So, obviously, the film very famously starts off with a little scene in a cafe, but then it quickly moves to Little Green Bag, um, where the guys um, all dressed, you know, got Messrs. Blonde, pink, orange, brown, white, and blue, with Joe Cabot and son, nice guy, Eddie, strolling down the street, looking just so cool. And they're looking so cool. And that song is even cooler than they look. It's just, it goes so well together. Um, it, it goes on and you've got uh, Hooked on a Feeling. So you've got Ooga Chaka, Ooga, Ooga. <laughs> just, that just drags you in straight away. Uh, I Gotcha, Fall for Love, Magic Carpet Ride by Bedlam. And I think there's an iconic song, like probably two thirds of the way through the film, which Mark touched on last week, which is Stuck in the Middle with You by Jerry Rafferty and Steeler's Wheel. Um, obviously, while this song's going on, you've got Michael Madsen torturing a police officer, dancing around him, chopping his ear off. Um, hence the con- controversy of the film. <laughs> time. But that film just, com- that song just completely suits that scene. It's really weird. Uh, and apparently Tarantino asked all the cast, he had a list of three or four songs for that scene. Um, he said, which song do you want? Which song do you think is going to work? And bar, bar one or two, they all said it's got to be Steelers Wheel. It's got to be stuck in the middle of you. Um, they've often said they're never quite sure what Jerry Rafferty thinks of the use of that song in the film. <laughs> Who knows? But but that's just, it's a, it's a classic scene. And again, it's probably of its time. And anybody between the ages of maybe 30 and 50 might appreciate it. I'm not sure I might be wrong. Um, but after that, it, it's got real pace. Um, there's only about six or seven what you'd call full songs in the film. There's actually a big period of almost, I think, three quarters of an hour without any soundtrack at all. Right. Um, but when they're there, they're right. They're just right. And Tarantino has that talent of choosing the right songs. You've got, you've got Harvest Moon towards the end, and it ends with Coconut by Harry Nilsson, which actually was my first experience of Nilsson. And now I own a few albums, and I, I kind of appreciate him in his own right. And the beauty of this film, I think, and of the music, is that it's all linked together very cleverly by um, an American comedian called Stephen Wright. And it's all his very dry, gravelly voice, which, apart from just being on the soundtrack, is also in the film and links everything together really, really well. Um, just works perfectly. Uh, I think this film and soundtrack, it's got a lot of meaning for me as well, because uh, my dear friend Andy, we lost around the time the film was released. Um, and we used to, in fact, <laughs> even for his funeral, we all dressed up as Reservoir Dogs. And it's something we used to do. We used to dress up and there was one point where I got a bit carried away with a plastic gun after a night out, jumped in front of a police car and pointed the gun out. And looking back at that now these days, I would get in so much trouble. But I think, <laughs> um, the policeman back then, back in the day, gave me a little bit of a ticking off and said, on your way, get home, son, go on, stop looking around. 
I think I was quite lucky that day. <laughs> but, but yeah, for that any party we had, that soundtrack would be on for two or three years, you know. And I still listen to it now. Got a copy here for all you at home to look at. There you go. Oh. That's my copy, oh. and it's all. I think I'm on. Yeah, Mr. Pink. Beautiful <laughs> Mr. Pink vinyl. You can just see there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that was a record store day release as well. So, Excellent choice. Yeah. What do you know about it? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I think you, you and I bartered over this one, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's um, yeah. uh, you know we've chosen quite a few cult films, and this is this is this ranks up the I'd say the top two, top three. Um, <clears throat> Tarantino just gets it bang on the money again. We mentioned it uh, last week how he is just uh, supreme at choosing the right songs for the right situations, and what I love about it is these guys are cutthroat. Yeah. At, at the start of the film, they're they're arguing over tipping, you know, whether what, how much they should tip and all the rest of it. And yeah. it, it's such a great lineup. I, I don't want to detract from the soundtrack because it is it is excellent. But uh, what a great cast! He picks the great, really great actors. You know, Harvey Keitel's always in there. Steve Buscemi, Tim Roth. Yeah. Just uh, oh, yeah, but massive thumbs up for this one. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Alan. Uh, Not what yeah. you've seen, I guess. You won't be surprised. You won't be surprised. <laughs> I've heard of the film. Right. Not heard uh, the soundtrack? Uh, no. Um, well, I vaguely remember. Well, now you mentioned something about um, the guy getting his ear chopped off. Um, something. There's something I remember, but that's about that's about it, really. Um, and I knew it was, uh, Tarantino, uh, but apart from that. No, I've never seen it. Okay. It really is. It really is the old man versus the youngsters this week, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The cup of coke cool there sitting beside him. <laughs> we'll get on the whiskey. So yeah. We have far less leisure time than you youngsters. We're too busy, you know, bringing up families. Whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, go on, David. Mowing the lawn, you know. No, this is. <laughs> This is a, a fantastic soundtrack. I mean, this is um, one where I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. And Darren, you're right; it does it complements a lot that takes place during the film, sets the mood, yeah. or even drives the mood. Should I say it, it probably tells you how you should be feeling as you're going through it. Um, I hadn't really appreciated it being like a it extended whatever forty five minutes where there was no um, no songs in there, um, yeah. just quick quick sidebar on this as we tend to do um i did see back in 2014 um there's a there's a band from northern ireland duke special don't know if you know them mark probably not on your radar but it's a great little band i saw them supporting i think it was crowded house um but the 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 main there's two people really who who make that band up um you've got Peter Wilson, who's really is Duke special, great keyboardist, a bit almost Tim Minchin style in, in how he delivers and how he does his songs. He's done lots of solo projects. He does a DJ, but he did tour back in 2014, um, a whole set of Harry Nilsson songs. Oh, wow. And I managed to see it um, in Dublin. And it happens to be a guy from from Paynton who was over in, in, uh, in Dublin who I knew. 
So we went, went along the two of us and it was great. It just went nice, nice little theatre not far from St. Stephen's Green. Um, the band were all very chilled. They, they were out there having cigarettes and tins before the gig started. So you kind of nod, hello, how you doing kind of thing going. And then you get the tour of the sort of Harry Nilsson world, as you said, Darren, if you don't know it, it's it's eye-opening. Yeah. But he, again, he, he provides such a... Uh, a breadth of music and I think wasn't he described as the fifth Beatle at one time or he would have been the fifth Beatle when back in the 60s so smashing guy so that was good um but for for this one look that I think these ones it probably they both stand can stand apart very strongly as well I mean the any Tarantino film the narrative or the the, the the narrative in there uh, his the way he writes speech is just incredible so and when you've got yeah. all of those class actors in there delivering it, they, they just breathe yeah. more life into it. Um, and and uh, the music really complements it. And was that, just trying to think, who did a couple of people really break out after that? Just trying to think. I'd say, yeah, I'd say Tim, Tim Roth and, and Steve Buscemi, I would say that was the uh, the launch pad for them. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. yeah, they'd all done the fifth before, I think, but it, yeah, certainly launched them in a big way. I did hear Tim Roth being interviewed recently, um, and he was he sort of, he was still trying to find his feet, get you know get his get his way in the music or in the in the film industry, and then got a call from Tarantino to come and do this part. So for him, you're right, that was complete uh, elevated him up to a, a status which you know he's he's recognised rightly so as a as a very strong actor has been ever since. But you sometimes just need that leg up, don't you? Yeah, yeah. that's very good. Excellent, cool. excellent. Thank you. Okay then, um, sticking sticking with my um, years. So did eighty two, eighty four, eighty six. Just conveniently, the next one happens to be in eighty eight. But guys, I'm just thinking other songs. We must have all had other songs that, or, sorry, albums that could have gone in here. The soundtracks. Um, Purple Rain? Did anyone have that on yeah. their list? Yeah, yeah, that was on my list. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Mid- I had Midnight Cowboy in there as well. That's on my shortlist. The Godfather? Yeah. The Godfather, well, see, I, 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 I avoided, you know, I avoided the likes of Ennio Morricone and, uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why, because I considered it more... Uh, you know, like it was a cl- classical background. I mean, Godfather. Yeah. Uh, when you hear that music, it just sends a shiver down your spine, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a good show, though. Good yeah. show. American Graffiti, yeah. probably one of the earlier ones to have sort of the, the great use of popular songs mm-hmm. to, to yeah. set on in there. I had two thousand one, A Space Odyssey on mine. Uh. Crow, Quadrophenia, With Nail and I. Quite a few. Oh, Batman Forever. If anyone that yeah. Batman forever oh. soundtrack, a brilliant soundtrack. Pretty yeah. powerful, but brilliant soundtrack. Is that the Prince one? Yeah. Um, it's Prince. No, it's not the Prince one, is it? Who's that? Oh, no, the, the Prince one's just Batman. Yeah, that's just Batman. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. 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 That's worth looking at. Lawrence? What does he say? Lawrence? Well, he puts. He puts some. He says. Put some music on, doesn't he? He just shouts to his to his the Joker shouts to his his, his henchman Lawrence. Is this a film you've seen, then, Alan? 
Oh, there is a film I've seen, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. That's good. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's good. So I just no, realised. Just... Sorry, no, I had, I had uh, High Fidelity in there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's mine as well, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Kings, Crow. yeah. Crow's a great soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Which one? The Crow. The yeah. Crow, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the film, mm-hmm. I, I think he got killed making the film, but yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Bruce Lee's, was it Bruce Lee's son, I think? Mm. I think yes, I think you're right, Brandon Lee. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's dead before his time as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So many, I, you mentioned Withmail and I, that's, that's another, I mean, I, I remember that from uni. Mm. Um, it's you, you notice that a lot of these films with great soundtracks are what we would consider cult classics you know they're up on every uh student's wall yeah <laughs> wise yeah. of our dogs um mm. yeah and, and let's not forget the beatles ones you know help and a hard day's night they, they were just awesome ahead yeah. of their time yeah a few yeah. people have mentioned those on our facebook group haven't they yeah. Yeah. i think i mentioned pieces thank you everybody's seen me myself and irene oh is that Jim Carrey? Yeah, it's a good yeah, soundtrack okay. to that. Okay. Good soundtrack to that. There's a, quite a few uh, there's, um, bands doing cover versions of some Steely Dan tracks. Oh, wow. Uh, and another one I would have gone for is the Grinch soundtrack. I know that sounds ridiculous, but uh, <laughs> that's really good. See, I, I, I thought you would have chosen something like Spinal Tap. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I yeah, I, I, I realised that Alan hasn't had his last choice yet. Oh, better keep him. And we, keep, we might have right stolen on. his thunder. Yeah. Oh no, that's all right. Oh, he's gone up. He's gone off piste. Yeah. Yeah. Ad libbing never never works well. He's, he's the producer. <laughs> hey, that's a film, isn't it? Yeah. The producer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The producer to be or not to be. The rap in there, yeah, yeah, springtime for Hitler, wasn't it? Yeah. No, the hit and the rap by um, well, it's both of them, yeah. both of them are on it, yeah, yeah, Mel Brooks, yeah. Oh, this might come up in musicals week if we're doing that one soon, <laughs> yeah. When I, when I was in Golders Green, um, sorry, was I, I worked the same back as Dave, we had a customer who's um, um, a cover designer. And he did the he did the cover for the for the hit the rap. All right. Oh. I forget his name now. Something Humphreys. Anyway, I digress. Got it out of there. Wow. Um, Some somebody somebody gurbles. <laughs> 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 what about that story, Alan? What about that story of uh, <clears throat> your man from Ten CC came into the branch? That was your or oh. it was your other oh, half. I've told you this before. Yeah, that's a belter. I've told you this before, haven't I? Have I don't think story? you've told me. Yeah, I don't think you've... Yeah, of course you do. Almost time for your stories, mate. Right, so I'm working in the, in the branch um, on the thing called the Foreign Till uh, with my colleague Dave, and together he we do the Foreign Till, we're also the Foreign Club, we transfer money around the world, we do with foreign currency, we do with inland payments, things like that. Anyway, um, this particular day, I was on the foreign till. It, uh, it was at lunchtime, and um, a chap there. I thought, I know you. And um, as soon as he 
opened his mouth, um, I knew exactly who it was. And uh, it was Graham Gouldman from the band 10cc. So we said, oh, and he's from Stockport, and he from, uh, we've got this really great Manchester accent, because oh, I need, I'm going abroad, can I have some travel facility? So, yeah, I said, well, in those days, you know, you had to order them, you know, we had to order in like traveler's checks. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, okay, well, I'll, I'll be in in a few days to collect them. So you tell him when they're going to be in and then he went away and, uh, Anyway, so with that then, my mate Dave comes down from lunch and I said, uh, well, you'd never believe who's just come in. And I said, uh, Graham Gorman from 10CC, you know, I, you know, I'm not in love and all those tracks and, you know, um, went through them all. And he said, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, oh, my wife's a big fan of uh, that band. Um, when is he coming in? I swear he's coming in a couple of days to, you know, collect the travel facilities. I said, oh, right. I'm, yeah, my wife's got a single. I'm sure my wife's got a single there. I'm going to get, bring it in and ask him to sign it. I said, all right then, Dave. So anyway, days went past and um, uh, this day came and he still hadn't come in to collect them. It was lunchtime. So Dave went up to have his sandwiches in the restroom and he said, right, if he comes in, can you phone me up and I'll come down? So uh, I said, yeah, fair enough. So anyway, he came and um, I said, look, would you mind just, um, you know, you have to sign your traveler's checks before, you know, you leave, left the branch in those days. And um, yeah, I, I, I said, do you mind? My colleague upstairs would like a quick word with you. I said, oh yeah, fine. So um, I phoned him up. I said, Dave, he's in. So right, he came galloping down from the stairs. He's got, he walks like this, Dave. And um, <laughs> he's holding up this thing in his hand. I couldn't quite see what it was. Anyway, so uh, when, when Graham Gilman had finished doing his thing, as he was passing them through the, you know, the, the tray, and he said, "Oh, excuse me, Mr. Gilman," he said, um, "My wife's a big fan of yours." I said, "Would you mind?" He said, "Would you mind signing this?" So you know, he passes the sing this. What I now see is like a seven-inch single. He passes it through the, you know, in the in the till, and he, and he picks it up, and he, and he goes, he goes, well, I'll sign it, but it's not one of mine. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what have you given him? And he holds it up, and I could see what it was then because I've got it myself. It was Sergeant Rocker's going to help me by XTC. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time you told me that, and I, I laughed as much. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> the guy, yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. Um, yeah, you used to get a lot of celebrities in at Golders Green. Uh, Charles Dance uh, made a cup of coffee for me once. Uh, we had uh, Trevor Horn. Wow. Um, Name yeah. dropping moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, perhaps I shouldn't go on. Any I think you're the, su you're <laughs> yeah, the support so... act to your own piece now, so you need to beat that. Yeah, right. So I mean, uh, I think one or two of us have already mentioned this film uh, already as possible choices, um, and this is uh, the film is 1979, based on a 1973 rock opera starring. Bill Daniels as a guy called Jimmy, 
He's a 1960s London-based mod, and he's got similarities to Tony in Saturday Night Fever, in as much as he works in a dead-end job, and he's in a mailroom. Uh, but he gets by by dancing and partying and taking drugs, not too many, uh, <laughs> riding his scooter around and brawling with motorbike rockers. Um, yeah, he stars in the film with uh, Leslie Ash, um, who unfortunately ruined herself uh, with, a, I think it was an accident with some kind of Botox treatment she had. But, uh, <laughs> and also Sting uh, was famously in the film. Uh, if you haven't guessed it by now, it's Quadrophenia. And uh, say so it's originally, it was an album, uh, which The Who uh, released in 1973. Uh, with this term, a rock opera, and um, uh, it's got some great tracks in it. Um, just just the soundtrack on its own, you know, not the soundtrack, the album of Quadrophenia, uh, which has got a great picture. Um, uh, it's uh, like a tribute to the, I think it's to, to all the, the, the boys in Goldhawk Road, I think that's what it's on, he says on the inside of the cover. But it's got a great picture of a mod in the classic Parker outfit, um, you know, with his with his with his bike, his scooter, with all the the you know the whistles and um, mirrors on it. And uh, but the film itself has got some fantastic music in it. Um, starts off with you know I am the sea, um, and the real me. Uh, I'm one by fifteen out in your brain. Out of your brain on a train on the 515. Um, Love Rain Over Me, um, Bellboy, which is uh, a song about um, Sting. Well, Sting is seen in the film as um, and his character is known as, it's called the Ace, Ace Face. Um, but really, he's a bellboy in a, in a Brighton hotel. Um, that's what that's about. Uh, Dr. Jimmy and the Punk. Sorry, Dr. Jimmy another great track and uh, the punk and the godfather um are all i mean the, these are just the tracks by the who um you know that besides that you've got some on the second part of the album um are some great tracks from the 60s and 60s uh, and maybe early 70s um night train by james brown Green, the classic Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. Got Louie Louie, Louie Louie, oh, by the Kingsman, Zoot Suit, uh, High Numbers. And then you've got some uh, some great girl groups here, the, the, the Cascades doing Rhythm of the Rain, Be So Fine by the Chiffons, Be My Baby by the Ronettes, and the Do 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 Ron Ron, the Do Ron Ron, the Do That Old Beat uh, by the Crystals. <laughs> Um, it's just um, it's not a, a bad bad track on it. Uh, the film itself actually is not. There's some quite good acting in it. Um, I wouldn't say the film is incidental to it. Um, certainly, I prefer listening. I prefer listening to just the original album. But you know, as a as as you know, we're talking about music in, in a film here, and, and this really is some great music. Um, and, and particularly the last track that the, the Who um, is called uh, The Punk and the Godfather. 
and um, it gets to the final bit and there's where you, where Jimmy's starting to go really off his head, you know, through drugs and that. And it ends with his scooter going over the cliff and you just see him. All you see is his scooter approaching like the cliffs of white cliffs of Dover and then a scream and then you hear um, like a train noise. And then it's like a guitar, almost like a, a full size grand piano is, is thrown over the cliff. This is what it sounds like anyway. And it's, and then the, the, the final words who's Roger Daltrey sings is, you stop dancing. And that's a really, really strong moment. You don't know whether he's chucked himself over the cliff or he hasn't. Um, and it actually then, um, goes to the start, start, and you realize that you're seeing the start of the film again. So you don't really know whether he's killed himself or not. Um, but um, it must have been um, quite a time back in, you know, in the 70s, you know, modern rockers, things like that, you know, on a bank holiday like today, like yesterday, bank holiday weekend. They'd all set off to, off to Brighton knowing how it was going to end up, you know, in a scrap. You know, and um, that's how they they did it in those days. They, they you had the mod to, uh, um, you know, classically dressed in the Ben Shermans and things like that, and um, on their scooters, you know, macabrely turned out, smart haircuts, and um, you know the scooters, um, and then you had the rockers on the on their bikes, you know, greasy hair, leather jackets, and it was a kind of you know, they both hated one another for what each other stood for. Um, and uh, there's, <laughs> I always remember one part of the, of the film, I mean, it was supposed to be set in the, supposed to be set in, um, you know, in the 60s. And there's a bedroom scene where Jimmy's in his bedroom uh, and you can see an intercity 125 train going past. <laughs> this is the edge of the train. Jimmy Savile. Uh, yeah, so great film. Um, I remember going to see this. I'm buying the soundtrack. Uh, it's Bill. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, um, Record Store Day, they brought out a nice um, Green Parker coloured version. Uh, so, yeah, I, lo I, I love The Who. Uh, again, Got to thank my brother-in-law Rob for getting me into the Who. Because I once asked him what he thought the best band in the world were, and uh, he said the Who. I didn't believe him at the time, but and they're not the best band in the world, but they're a very good band, yeah. and uh, they're part of um, they're part of our music heritage. Yeah. They've been going for a long, long time, and they're still going. They had a new album out um, just last year, which I got. And uh, they're still doing it. They, okay, they're not they're not all together now, but yeah, they they are a um, they're part of uh, British music and always will be. Excellent. That is my fourth and final choice. Just need to pick up on one point. There is, and they're going to have one listener who's going to be a bit pissed that you've said that about the Who, because for him it is the best band. <laughs> Who's that? Slav, Andy Slavin. Oh, right. 
Well, I'd say they're up there, in my personal opinion. Oh, that's fair enough. Disclaimer, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're yeah. a great film. It is a great film and great music, I say. We're talking about Tommy as well. Um, like, it's fantastic. Uh, there's no doubt that, um, you know, Pete Townsend is a really talented guy. Um, you know, it was his his ideas. Uh, the rest of the band just went along with them, and they are very lucky. Uh, they had that guy. Definitely, Tommy still spins me out a little bit every time I watch it. It's just such a strange film, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> but brilliant. Yeah, yeah well, it's got this obviously the undertones. Um, uh, um, and uh, but yeah, some great music in it. Yeah. Yeah, Quadrophonia, I didn't really probably see it till the mid-80s. It was one of those films that everyone said, oh, you've got to watch it. It's a classic. It's a classic. And I would have been a bit young at the time. And yeah, and the music, I mean, this nearly made it. It was on my shortlist. Nearly made it in because it is brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, Phil Daniel, well, Blur got a bit of a scoop, didn't they, with um, when they released their Park Life album and got Phil Daniels to sing on it. Oh, yeah. And obviously yeah. that was their biggest hit, I think, went through the roof for them. And yeah. yeah. No, he's always been he's a great, great actor. Um, yeah. And um, so Leslie Ash, she, she looked very, very nice back in those days. And somehow she's, I don't know if you remember, you've seen pictures of her recently. She looks horrendous. Yeah, I remember at the time, it was just, what's Poor the girl. way to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never going to have Botox done. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'll wait till I'm 60. <laughs> you got yours booked in, David? Apparently so. When you're having yours, Dave. <laughs> <clears throat> what would you have done, Alan? Uh, no, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have my Lord. record collection done. Make it larger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good idea. Don't need to have the house. Yeah. Need the house being done so you can have some old more some more records. Oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. No, great, great, great choice there, Alan. It's a uh, look. It, it's hard. Townsend is just amazing, isn't he? In terms of what he's been able to write and his, his yeah. the way his mind works to to compose compose these rock operas this I mean, this, this is to all intents is that um the and, and the music just fits around the film or the film fits around the music it's hand and glove yeah. isn't it yeah no, it's brilliant um, I, I, I often play i often play the you know the the original album yeah i've, I've never I'm, I'm quiet on this one because i've neither seen the film uh nor listen to the soundtrack guilty as charged but uh i'll be sure to dig both out yeah. and a big call big call out to one of our listeners uh leslie ash who <laughs> likes this, particularly likes this album doesn't like you anymore Alan. <laughs> oh. she got married to a footballer didn't she yep uh was uh lee oh what do you call me played yeah, for lee, uh, lee. He played for um, Sheffield Wednesday. And Leeds. And he played for Swansea as well. One stage, I think we've seen him play. Uh, I was at the end of his career, was it? Yeah. And Leslie was in the crowd that day, I'm sure. 
Lee Chapman, Chapman, was it? Lee Chapman. Lee Chapman. Lee Chapel, that's it. Chapman. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Lee Chapman. He was a handsome fella. Yeah, he they was. Were the, they were the portion backs of the kind of 80s and 80s, yeah. early 90s, I guess. Yeah, he was a big, massive, quite a big bloke, wasn't he? He was, big lad. Yeah, he was quite, yeah. Very nasty. I, wonder, I, 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 his wife. I better not say anymore. Oh, yeah, well. If you're listening, Lee, <laughs> you were a great footballer. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's uh, here's Alan's address. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's. Okay, here we go. So I got as far before as saying 1988. Um, so I do know this film is also well loved by a friend of Darren's and mine, uh, Liz Law. All right. Yeah. Big big fan of this of this one. So, it's a French film, and I'm sure and I'm sure that Mark will work out what it is fairly quickly on there. So it's directed by Luc Besson. Oh, uh, it's it, it's a film about two what they called free divers, two free divers. So it charts their early life. Um, and if you want the com- competition between the two of them, I think there was a lot of heavy uh, dramatization and improvisation around some of the stories uh, between the two of them. Uh, and for those that don't know about free diving, it's a competition just to see um, with one breath how far you can dive underwater and come back and still be alive on there. So the, the lead characters in there are. Uh, Jean-Marc Barr and the, the the wonderful Jean Reno, and oh, what 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 a fantastic role he plays in there, uh, and probably still my or maybe my second favourite film that with with Jean Reno in there. Um, of course, I am talking about the the Big Blue, Le Grand Bleu, on there, and the the music itself was composed by Eric Serra and. Slightly unfortunately, when I was travelling over to Belgium on a fortnightly basis um, last year and the year before, um, just after Christmas, they started just outside the office I was working in. There sprung up a an advert for um, Eric Sarah to perform the Big Blue in Brussels, which was going to happen in June, if I remember rightly. So I thought, okay, that'd be good. I look forward to that and. As soon as I stopped travelling, that was the first thing I realised I was going to be missing out on, on there. So um, for people who don't, or uh, Eric Serra, he's uh, worked on many of the Luc Besson movie, movies. He's uh, covers different types of genres, as a lot of these great composers are for for films, and he tries to tell something with the music. And of course, with something like free diving, you've got a lot of underwater scenes. Is trying to set the the, the mood and and the dramatization of, of what's happening, um, and you know when people dive into the big watery world of, you've got whale sounds and floating strings. Um, opens up with a big blue overture, which has a distinct theme, which then is a characteristic which runs throughout the movie. Um, it's great use of uh, saxophone to begin with, and then brings in pianos, um, the, the, and the tunes go in and out. Um, throughout the, the whole of it 
I have played it a couple of times and I'll probably say I don't perhaps it's probably not quite as strong now as it was when I first listened to it but the the film itself evokes a whole period which I think if I remember it was um Jacques Chirac described the 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 era around then as the Combleu era so it was a there was a whole generation and we were in France uh, people was we arrived there in 89 so it was just afterwards but still there was this whole movement um sort of groundswell that people kept on going back to that as a as a came kind of a cult movie in its own way um very much appreciated they did remake the film in the states but they dropped that the music and it was a complete flop so maybe not quite the same thing but yeah certainly uh it was evoked again uh, when the actual diver himself died in 2001 uh, Jacques Chirac was talking about the that he was a enduring symbol for the big blue generation at the time look it, it's a wonderful film don't know how it would do today if it was in the cinema because it is slow but it's it's almost like Jacques Cousteau without the commentary if you enjoy those kind of things very good and I'm just trying to remember yeah. there's someone else in there um Rosanna Arquette's in there as well. So Rosanna Arquette, yep. Just to throw in, I suppose, something for the American audience on there. Mm -hmm. So uh, a beautiful film, beautiful music that went along with it, and it makes it into my top four. Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke Besson. I, I like um, his earlier stuff like Subway, Christophe Lombard, and he did uh, Lyon with your favourite actor, Jean Reno, mm -hmm. as well. He's... He's, uh, he's got great stage presence when he was in Ronan and Leon. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I first saw this film actually when I was in France. I, I lived there for about six months in 1997 in Grenoble. Right. And uh, I saw this film for the first time, yeah. Loved it. Loved it. And um, yeah, they. The soundtrack was quite evocative. It just it just fitted so perfectly with the film itself, and uh, I'm, I'm going to give it another watch and listen. So, I think films that you, you think, oh yeah, that was good, but you never revisit. Yeah. Uh, Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, so, yeah, that's a great shape and yeah, unexpected but really good shape. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you think of it, Mark, when you've revisited. So if it still yeah. has the same um, resonance. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably bring back lots of lots of memories of those times. Yeah, I, I just I used to go to the cinema a lot when I was over there, and um, I remember seeing Michael Collins for the seventh time. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, in well French, they call him Sutitra um, in subtitles, and uh, yeah, nice okay. one. That brought back a nice memory. Oh, good to hear that. Yeah. It's another one I've written down to my watch list. I, I'm aware of it, but never seen it. So it's one I need to. I'm assuming, Alan, you've maybe not seen it either. I've seen this ten film ten times, actually. Oh. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> With Leslie. <No. laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Sorry. No, no, no I haven't right. seen it. Sounds interesting. I do like Jacques Cousteau. Mm -hmm. I'm watching him. So... Um, yeah, okay. that's good. He likes you. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I've, the ones you just mentioned, I've seen Leon, I think, and that's about it. So I need to watch some more. Fifth Element. 
Oh, yeah. Thelma, yeah. Eric Sterrell's on. Yeah, he does the music for that, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Chaps, if you let me know which songs you want off your nominations, then I'll add them onto the uh, the Spotify playlist. Okie doke. No worries. Yeah, I was just thinking another one I was might have put in was the Virgin Suicides, Dave. I don't know you were yeah, man, about I, that earlier in the week. I did have a look, but that box set, I can't afford that money. No. What yeah. is it now? It's in the hundreds. Was it? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we we, we paid for the uh, the Queen box set. Right. I, I got her on a snip, actually, compared to what some folk paid for it. Mm. Four or five hundred quid or something. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I paid that much. I thought the Virgin Suicides, when it first came out, it was about 60. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. Okay, uh, yeah, guys. So I'll let you have my yeah. choices. Money, would you like? Good. Uh, just one. Just one for me. Okay. Yeah. Well, Flash has to go in, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <The scene. laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, that's excellent. Uh, we will be back again shortly with a new episode, um, a theme which has yet to be chosen. But I want to thank you guys for your contributions. I think we've all got new things to either watch or to listen as a result of that. See you all again in a week's time or so. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Okay. All the best. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.